Where's Brad? Brad. Great. Great. Thank you, Mr. President. I'm right here. But please stay away from me. Thank you. No, it ain't. I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair. And I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs. Clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right. Here I am, stuck in the middle with you. Yep. Yes, I'm stuck in the middle with you. From Pacifica Radio in Los Angeles, this is the broadcast as heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in LA, also in Red Bluff and Redding, California on KFOI, Round Mountains KKRN, and Eureka's KGOE in Oregon on the Central Coast on KYAQ, Cottage Grove's KSO, and Eugene's KEPW. In Lancaster, Pennsylvania on WLRI, Maui, Hawaii's KAKU. In Columbus, Ohio on WGRN, Palinville, New York's WLPP. In Grand Rapids on WPRR, New Orleans, WHIV, Gallup, New Mexico's KNIZ. In Concord, New Hampshire on WNHN, Fayetteville, Arkansas's KPSQ. In Seattle on KODX, Janesville, Wisconsin's WADR. And Minneapolis, St. Paul's AM 950 KTNF. We also stream coast-to-coast and around the globe every day on the internets on the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Indie Media Weekly, FYI Nation, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, Workforce Rising, Deprogrammed Radio, and Detour Talk, Blanketing Planet Earth, five days a week. I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, and all-around swell fellow says me from bradblog.com and yes mr president stay away from me <laughs> just stay i am trying to socially distance myself from you sir socially and physically thank you very much yes thank you and thank you desi doyan how are you today i'm doing all right very good thank hanging you. in as we like to say thank you for continuing to hang uh hey just in case you're wondering uh, how our critical local media outlets around the country are holding up amidst this crisis independent Independent local radio and print publications are having a hell of a time surviving at all right now uh, with local crucial alt weekly print publications in particular uh, getting hit especially hard. Many of which uh, across the country have been forced now to shut down entirely, some of which are barely just hanging on by a thread at this point. Many of those alt weeklies survive only by advertisements of, you know, local restaurants and events and concerts and movies, art shows, social gatherings, etc. All of the things that are now shut down all over the country, which means there is simply zero advertising revenue coming in to many of those papers and radio stations in many cases. Many have of the of the papers and, and stations have turned to subscription or membership models where possible, you know, just to help keep the lights on as long as possible until public gatherings eventually, hopefully, return. Hopefully. But that, uh, ironically, is happening as online readership for many of those same publications has skyrocketed amid the coronavirus uh, crisis. And those outlets are continuing to pump out more important information than ever before right now. So they're getting a lot of traffic on their website, but they got no money to keep going. So 
please consider supporting your local independent media outlets any way that you can, whether it be radio stations like the one that you may be listening to the broadcast on right now or those alt-weeklies who need to stay in business. If only to offer you something other than the corporate-owned one single newspaper in your town. Yeah, no kidding, if you even have one single newspaper at this point. But support those single newspapers, too, by the way. Yes. Uh, we now need you know journalism and local journalism more than ever to get through this crisis. Um, as to the sort of the large corporate media, their readership is up as well, and I, I hope that their subscription base, frankly, is up also, even though I sometimes have problems with some of those outlets. They are also part of our critical communications infrastructure right now, and they are doing a very good job in most, if not all, cases right now to keep the public informed as a public service. That said... <laughs> Some old habits die hard. As media critic and journalist Eric Bollert, a frequent guest on this program over the years, has been pointing out and did so again on the Twitters last night, uh, he tweeted, New York Times eagerly adopted GOP talking points and ran with Democrats' block aid narrative. Bullard says, no, they did not block aid. Uh, so he posted a New York Times headline from just a few days ago when uh, they were trying to come up with a, a, a stimulus bill, a first proposal in the Senate. New York Times headline at that time was emergency economic rescue plan in limbo as Democrats block action. Wow, that sounds bad. The Democrats are blocking an economic rescue plan. And then Bullard wrote, now look at New York Times headline tonight when GOP puts the brakes on the bill. This was last night. So the Democrats block this incredible emergency bill. Right. But the GOP is just putting the brakes on. Well, a caution. They uh, here's what they said. Senate talks on aid stall over jobless benefits. So they didn't even put the brakes on. They just they just stall. They stall when Republicans uh, are blocking the measure. But when Democrats are stalling the measure, they're blocking it. Bullard says, compare and contrast, my friends. When Dems object to a bill, they block it. When GOP objects, it's just a passive case of nameless parties putting a stall on the bill. That's the kind of crap we have to put up with every day in this country and is no small part of what has been helping to destroy this country over recent decades. But hey, welcome to the broadcast. <laughs> There's your daily reminder of how important it is to have at least a few of us in the media who do not play along with that kind of garbage. So uh, thank you for helping us continue to do so at uh, bradblog.com donate if you are able to. After four Republican U.S. senators briefly, yes, blocked the Senate's $2.2 trillion coronavirus emergency rescue plan on Wednesday, the measure was finally adopted to be sent to the U.S. House late on Wednesday night. Uh, for the record, by the way, those uh, U.S. senators who were, yes, blocking were Lindsey Graham and Tim Scott, both of South Carolina, Ben Sass of Nebraska and Rick Scott of Florida. But hey, who's counting? By the way, Lindsey Graham is on the ballot for reelection in South Carolina this year. 
Just in case you didn't know, his opponent will be the excellent Jamie Harrison. If you're interested in looking into him, uh, in the uh, if you're a vo- uh, voter in the Palmetto State, or ha- actually if you're uh, a voter anywhere in the country who might wish to contribute to uh, either candidate, presumably, presuming we actually have an election this November, by the way. But we'll get to some of that in a bit today. The Senate did pass its massive emergency relief package 96 to 0 on Wednesday night. The four Republicans who did not vote for it were not those four who were, yes, blocking it all day on Wednesday, but instead they were um, due to uh, self-quarantine. That would be uh, the ones who didn't vote were Senators Mitt Romney of Utah, Mike Lee of Utah, Rand Paul of Kentucky, and Senate Majority Whip John Thune of South Dakota. Rand Paul had tested positive for the coronavirus and Thune went home out of caution because he was feeling sick. I think he went home to South Dakota. How did he get there, by the way? Did he fly with other people or did he just take a private corporate jet and everything's fine? Romney and Lee are currently quarantining themselves after uh, having made contact with Rand Paul. Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell of Kentucky said in a statement, quote, Americans deserved this outcome. I'm proud the Senate stepped up. Speaking of the 96 to 0 approval, Senate Minority Leader Chuck Schumer of New York declared in a statement that the Senate fought for our health care system. We fought to save jobs, millions of small businesses, millions of aviation jobs and more. He said we fought to ensure Americans who lost jobs will be able to pay rent, mortgages, food because of the greatest expansion of unemployment insurance in decades that was included in the bill. After it was passed, House Majority Leader Steny Hoyer uh, announced that the U.S. House would vote on the legislation at 9 a.m. Eastern Time on Friday, which will be done by a voice vote. Well, that uh, greatest expansion of unemployment insurance in decades is going to be needed big time. Actually, bigger than that. What's bigger than big time? I don't know. Biggest time ever at this point. Biggest time ever in the history of the nation, to be frank. The Labor Department announced on Thursday that a record 3.28 million jobless claims were filed this past week. As COVID-19 rapidly spreads across the nation, that number nearly quintuples. That's five times. Five times the nation's record for weekly unemployment claims going back to uh, since the time that such numbers have been tracked over the past 50 years. These jaw-dropping figures uh, eclipse the previous weekly jobless claim record of 695,000. That was back in October of 1982. 695,000. That was the record this past week. 3.28 3.28 million. The number of unemployment claims uh, the week ending on March 21 skyrocketed by over 3 million from the previous week, which ended on March 14. That, that week saw just 282,000 claims. So it's pretty much gone up by a clean 3 million in one single week. And I have a feeling that is only the beginning. Correct. Uh, in fact, you can't get a sense of how well how different this actually could be. Well, A, different from previous recessions, including the Great Recession, 
uh, without seeing a, a chart. Uh, maybe you've seen this by now, the unemployment history going back to the 1960s. There are some some peaks in those uh, recessions. But this one, this is boom, straight up, skyrocket, straight up, so high that it just it, it goes so high that it nearly flattens out the rest of the graph of the previous previous 50 years in order to accommodate that straight up spike today. Think of a hockey stick on its side. It looks just like that. You had to do that, didn't you? You had to play the <laughs> hockey stick graph card, didn't you? But no, uh, as as uh, you note, uh, Des, it's likely to be much worse as uh, the U.S. economy sinks into a recession. As AP notes, revenue has collapsed at restaurants, hotels, movie theaters, gyms, airlines. Auto sales are plummeting. Car makers have closed factories. Most such employers now face loan payments and other fixed costs, so they are cutting jobs to save money. As job losses mount, some economists say that the nation's unemployment rate could reach 13 percent by May. Now, remember, Steve Mnuchin had told Republicans that if they didn't get on the on the ball with these um, stimulus bills, that unemployment could go as high as 20 percent. I'm not sure what the timeline was that he was talking about for that, but the uh, 13 percent by May is what experts are saying could well happen here. That's just two months away. By comparison, the highest jobless rate during the Great Recession, which ended in 2009, was only 10 percent. So we're talking about a more jobless, uh, a higher jobless rate than even in the Great Recession if this continues. We will see if the bill passed by the Senate and soon, I suspect, passed by the House. We'll see what difference that makes. It certainly made a difference on Wall Street today. They have a lot of confidence. Uh, the Dow uh, skyrocketed uh, about 1,300 points on because of the stimulus bill, despite the fact that 3 million Americans filed for unemployment over oh, the past yay. week. Oh, yay, 3 million Americans. The stock market loves that. Apparently they do. Nancy Vanden Houten, an economist at Oxford Econ uh, Economics, said what seemed impossible just two weeks ago is now reality. The U.S. economy will experience the largest economic contraction on record with the most severe surge in unemployment ever. But those numbers, in fact, even this week, could actually be much worse than they appear at the moment, according to several news outlets. Many people who have lost jobs in recent weeks have been unable to file for an unemployment aid because state websites and phone systems have been overwhelmed by a crush of, application, uh, of applicants and have frozen up. So people in the middle of the process going online to apply for unemployment find that they can't, that the website just says, uh, try again later. It crashes. That logjam suggests that Thursday's report actually understates the magnitude of job cuts this past week. So does the fact that workers who are not on company payrolls gig workers, freelancers, and self-employed, all of those people, they are not cur currently eligible for unemployment benefits, though in many cases, they're no longer able to earn any money. But don't worry, because Donald Trump's Treasury Secretary Steve Mnuchin told CNBC on Thursday morning that the jobless figures were, quote, not relevant, unquote, at the moment. 
He says they're not relevant because there are uh, direct payments going out to Americans soon, although at best those direct payments are unlikely to come anywhere near the uh, amount that uh, these unemployed workers were getting previously. So not relevant. With layoffs surging, a significant expansion of unemployment benefits was included in the economic relief bill that is nearing final approval. One provision in the bill would provide an extra $600 a week on top of the unemployment aid that states provide. That was the provision that was that those four Republican senators on Wednesday were using to block the measure. Looks like that has stayed in. Another provision would supply 13 additional weeks of benefits beyond the six months of jobless aid that most states currently offer. The new legislation would also extend unemployment benefits for the first time, yes, to gig workers and others who are not on company payrolls. So that could be uh, very good news. But to say not relevant, Mr. Mnuchin, hardly. Uh, so there is some significant release coming, uh, relief coming soon, apparently. But but uh, not from Secretary uh, Mnuchin, who, well, by the way, is a billionaire yeah. and is not known for being in touch with what people are actually going through. And I think he made a lot of money, didn't he, coming out of the uh, Great Recession, oh, yeah. as I recall? He made out like a bandit. The bill uh, also, uh, in separate legislation, there's another bill that provides up to $1 billion to states to enhance their ability to process claims, but that money may take time to be dispersed. So if you're wrestling with your state's unemployment uh, system right now, trying to apply for benefits, uh, keep trying. You will get through eventually, at least I hope. But the bill also speaks to a need for a cash infusion to run our elections this year, which, yes, though we have been mired in the immediate coronavirus muck over the past several days, we are still keeping a laser focus on that as it remains for now the brightest potential visible light at the end of this horrible tunnel right now. One that we hope, as Desi Doyen likes to say, is not a freight train coming at us. But we will see. We will catch up with some noteworthy elections-related news after a quick break right here on the broadcast. I'm Brad Friedman. Don't go away. Five major corporations now control more than 80 percent of the media in the United States, but they don't control us. The Bradcast and the Green News Report are 100 percent independent, 100 percent listener supported. But we can't do it alone. We need you. Please help us bring real facts to listeners at independent stations around the nation. You can make a difference. Support independent media. Drop by bradblog.com donate. That's bradblog.com donate. And thanks. I wish I found some better sounds no one's ever heard I wish I had a better voice to sing some better words I wish I found some chords in an order that is new I wish I didn't have to rhyme every time I sang I was told when I get older all my fears would shrink But now I'm insecure and I care what people think My name's Blurry Face and I Welcome back to the broadcast, Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. My name's Blurryface, is that what he says? <laughs> I'm not sure. What's the name of that song? Uh, that's called Stressed Out by yeah. 21 Pilots. Yeah, that sounds about right. Welcome back to the broadcast, Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. 
My name's blurry face, too, today. <laughs> Governor John Carney, Democrat of Delaware, which is yet another state which hates its voters so much that it forces all of them to vote on unverifiable, germy, touchscreen voting machines at the polls on Election Day. Well, Delaware uh, has postponed the state's April 28 primary to June 2nd this week in a modification uh, to the governor's uh, state of emergency declaration. The additional protections in this order, he says, are essential to help Delawareans, especially our most vulnerable neighbors, as this situation evolves, he said in a statement. Uh, He also pushed local school board elections from May 12 to June 16. The day before, Rhode Island Governor Gina Raimondo also delayed her state's primary, announcing via Twitter, Last week, the Board of Elections requested that the presidential primary election be postponed from April 28 to June 2 and that the election take place primarily by mail ballot. I am following the advice of the Board of Elections and will sign an executive order to do this. Rhode Island and Delaware joined Maryland, Ohio, Kentucky, Louisiana, Indiana, Georgia, and Connecticut before them in delaying their primaries in hope that the coronavirus outbreak will abate in the meantime. Well, I hope so, too. June 2 is what they're targeting, uh, along with a lot of other states right now. Lawmakers in Pennsylvania, yes, another state which forces the majority of voters on Election Day. Delaware forces all of them. Pennsylvania just forces most of them on Election Day to vote on unverifiable germy touchscreen voting machines. Well, lawmakers there voted on Wednesday to delay their state's primary election by five weeks from the initially scheduled April 28, now also to June 2nd, which they hope will be potentially past the spike of the state's spreading coronavirus cases. But who knows? The measure um, passed both chambers of the Republican-controlled state legislature on Wednesday, and Governor Tom Wolf, a Democrat, said that he will sign it. As a result, Pennsylvania will join more than 10 states now in delaying primaries, many of them moving to June 2nd, as I said, which uh, if they are not postponed again, June 2nd is now turning out to be another pretty Super Tuesday uh, contest. That's a lot. That's a lot. Uh, That would now uh, see uh, uh, states that would now see elections uh, on June 2nd all in one day include Connecticut, Delaware, Indiana, Maryland, Montana, New Jersey, New Mexico, Pennsylvania, Rhode Island, South Dakota, and the District of Columbia. Now, I know that a lot of people think, oh, well, Joe Biden has this all wrapped up now. We don't need to worry about uh, voting on June 2nd or any other time. The primaries are over. Well, uh, let me make a couple of points there. One, The presidential race is not the only thing on most of these ballots around the country. There are state and local races. There are, as I said uh, uh, previously, uh, there's a race for Senate in South Carolina that you may care about. So there are uh, other races beyond the presidential race that, yes, do matter. Uh, Secondly, while it looks like Biden pretty much is going to have this thing wrapped up, 
It's a long time be at this point with everything that's going on. It's a very long time between now and when the Democratic uh, National Convention is scheduled to be held. It's scheduled to be held in July in Milwaukee. That's a long time from now. A lot of things can and might happen. Uh, and in any of in any event, I want you to be able to uh, have your voice heard. Whether you're voting for Joe Biden or Bernie Sanders or anybody else. So, yes, these elections still very much matter in in uh, in many regards. The move in Pennsylvania comes just a few months after Governor Wolf there and lawmakers, thankfully, approved legislation giving every voter the ability to mail in a ballot in the Keystone state. That is a huge and long overdue step for them. Uh, for years, they had only uh, allowed voters to vote absentee under very narrow circumstances like a doctor's order that had to be proven. Under the under the uh, bill that was passed on Wednesday, Pennsylvania would hold its primary election on June 2nd instead of April 28, when the state could be in the thick of a surge of COVID-19 cases. Wolf's administration has steadfastly refused to publicly disclose projections for when it believes that the surge of cases will peak in Pennsylvania, however. They but won't disclose it? They, they're not uh, discussing it. They uh, Either they don't know or they don't want to say. I don't know. But training and uh, recruiting poll workers, nonetheless, during that time could prove impossible, according to lawmakers, and that's why they're trying to make it uh, easier to vote by mail in Pennsylvania. Separately, the legislation would also let counties consolidate polling places, in part because uh, some are currently located within nursing homes. Mm. That could be a problem. The, uh, those uh, you know, could be susceptible to outbreaks of the coronavirus, uh, or it could lead to outbreaks of the coronavirus. Many poll workers are also older people who are particularly at risk, according to lawmakers. And uh, frankly, I'm not sure how any state is going to be able to find people willing to be poll workers this year at all, at least in at least in the primaries coming up in, in just weeks time. But perhaps even in the November general election as well at this rate, unless things change big time well before then. And right now, nothing looks like it's changing. Meanwhile, Republican leaders in the uh, state legislature in Wisconsin say that they support Democratic Governor Tony Evers' current plan to proceed with in-person voting in the April 7 election. That's, what, about a week and a half from now? This decision has drawn criticism over concerns that uh, doing so in the midst of the COVID-19 outbreak could put people at risk of infection, according to Wisconsin News. Well, I should say so. I mean, that's a little more than a week and a half away. What are they thinking in Wisconsin? I don't think they are thinking because this is mighty dangerous. And just because maybe testing in your state doesn't show a lot of cases, that doesn't mean that there aren't a lot of cases. It just means there's not a lot of testing. Well, you know what? They actually may be thinking. I don't know what the governor is thinking, what the Democratic governor is thinking. But in a conference call with reporters on Wednesday, Republican Assembly Speaker Robin Voss 
and Republican State Senate Majority Leader Scott Fitzgerald both expressed support for continuing with plans to hold the election, which features a Wisconsin Supreme Court race, a presidential primary, and hundreds of local races Mm. on April 7, while also encouraging absentee voting. I will get to that part in a second in Wisconsin. So there's some very important races for which low turnout would help them? Well, uh, you're getting ahead of me. You're right. Voss said, I know uh, we can do it safely at this point. I'm agreeing with Governor Evers that we should continue. I think this is too important for us to not move forward. Mm. So for the idea of of these guys, for Voss and Fitzgerald to agree with uh, the Democratic governor in Wisconsin, yeah, you got to ask what's up here. Uh, But sure, why not? It's just it's too important. We have to move forward with in-person voting in the middle of a global pandemic in a year, by the way, that would bring out tons of Democrats for a competitive presidential primary, but very few Republicans. Uh, Because, by the way, Donald Trump recently won enough delegates to uh, to guarantee that he will be the nominee. So not many Republicans are likely to come out. So in the meantime, why not risk killing a whole bunch of those Democrats who will be coming out, especially in a state of three million voters where Donald Trump is said to have won in 2016 by less than 23,000 votes. So, hey, you know, what is it? Let's uh, take out a few Democrats here and there. Save off a few. Yeah, why not? Or at least keep them preoccupied in the hospital. Yeah, the ones that we can't suppress their votes. Let's make them sick. Voss added that lawyers notified him that Governor Evers would need legislative approval in order to postpone the vote or move it to an all-mail-in election, as many Wisconsin officials and organizations like the League of Women Voters and others have recommended. Basically, they are begging. But I wonder if the uh, Republican Assembly Speaker and the Republican Senate Majority Leader could do anything about that, could answer those calls from Wisconsin officials, election officials, and voting organizations. Could they do anything about that if they actually wanted to? Since the only way to change uh, the election on April 7 uh, to an all-mail-in election or to postpone it would be for the legislature to actually meet and do that. No, the Republicans, they're cool. They're cool with with the way this is going right now. Meantime, the city of Green Bay in Wisconsin and the city's clerk, Chris Teska, on Tuesday filed a federal lawsuit alleging uh, local governments are finding it, quote, functionally impossible to administer the election and maintain social distancing at the same time. The lawsuit states that 90 percent of the city's 278 poll workers are at least 60 years old, making them especially vulnerable to the virus. Only 54 of the 278 workers had agreed so far to work the election as of last Friday, just 54 of 278 workers. The city wants a judge to cancel in-person voting, allow the city to send absentee ballots to all registered voters, to extend the deadline for registering online or by mail to May 1, and give the city until June 2nd to count ballots. Well, that seems fair. That seems fine. That seems uh, smart. That seems not deadly. 
River Falls City Administrator Scott Simpson and Mayor Dan Tolan said in a statement on Wednesday that they want to express their, quote, frustration with the governor's office regarding in-person absentee and Election Day voting. Also this week, Madison's city clerk said roughly half of poll workers scheduled to work the election have now canceled. Half. Gosh, it would be terrible, wouldn't it, if voters in Madison, Madison, Wisconsin, the second most Democratic-leaning county in the state, if they ended up having really long lines there because they don't have uh, but half of the poll workers they usually have, long lines with a bunch of Democrats forced to hang out together for hours to cast a vote amid a global pandemic, wouldn't that be terrible? I uh, uh, Fitzgerald, again, the uh, speaker of the uh, the uh, Senate ma- uh, uh, majority leader, Fitzgerald, uh, said, I, I understand things are getting much different out there. And there are obviously a lot of concerns about what that will look like on Election Day with the amount of poll workers and volunteers that you're going to need. So we're monitoring it very closely. But at this point, I don't see a change. Well, take your time, Senator. It's best not to rush, uh, you know, if you wish to avoid chaos and death. Why hurry? Evers on Tuesday ordered non-essential businesses, that's the governor, ordered non-essential businesses to shut down until April 24, while exempting a wide range of employers from farms and factories to grocery stores and retailers that supply those working from home. But an election... That's fine. Let's go ahead and hold everyone stay at home, shut down the businesses until April 24. But go ahead and have an election on April 7. Seriously, Governor, let's not call on the legislature to pass an emergency bill to change that even amid stay at home orders across the state. This is just insane. This is crazy. I don't understand what they're thinking. I really don't. I do understand what Voss and Fitzgerald are thinking because they're Republicans. And no, I would not put it past them to, uh, you know, hope that the epidemic breaks out and kill a bunch of Democrats. But Governor Evers, WTF. Dane County Clerk Scott McDonald on Wednesday gave all Dane County voters the go-ahead to indicate that they are indefinitely confined to avoid having to upload their voter ID when requesting an absentee ballot due to the COVID-19 pandemic. The recommendation, which he says is legal, comes as uh, some older voters have complained that they are not able to upload their photo IDs electronically, which is a a general requirement to request an absentee ballot in the state. And remind you, that's just an a request for an absentee ballot. That's not the actual. You have to go through that step. You next. got a lot more steps to go. Yes. Right. And you have to have that ballot, uh, that that ID and, and you have to know how to upload it. I cannot even imagine. Uh, my, I hope my mom's not listening, but I, I cannot even imagine if that was a requirement for my mom that she had to upload it, figure out how to take a picture and scan it, scan and it and figure and out how to out. upload it, make uh, sure it goes to the right place and not to some scammer or hacker. Yeah. It is not clear whether uh, Dane County Clerk McDonald's recommendation is actually legal. He told people to just go ahead and check that, yes, they are indefinitely confined. 
but whether it's legal, is there's still a question mark uh, next to that. Wisconsin law says that people can uh, certify that they are indefinitely confined due to age, illness, infirmity, or disability. If so, apparently, they don't have to upload an ID. According to the Wisconsin Elections Commission, the law does not require any voter to meet a threshold for qualification uh, of indefinitely confined status and that that does not have to be permanent. The commission does not condone abuse of the option, but said voters of a certain age or in an at-risk population may meet that standard of indefinitely confined until the crisis abates. In an email to clerks, uh, McDonald said that to other clerks, uh, McDonald said that voters are confined due to the pandemic. And when Governor Tony Evers uh, lifts his stay at home order, then the voter can change their designation back by contacting their clerk or updating their information on myvote.wi.gov. Now, uh, Dane County. Uh, is home to the state capital of Madison in Wisconsin. It's uh, second only to Milwaukee County as far as uh, leaning Democratic. So naturally, Republicans are not happy about the county clerk making it easier to vote there, even amidst an epidemic where people are unable to leave their homes. Rick Essenberg, president of the right-wing Wisconsin Institute for Law and Liberty, said that the county clerk, McDonald, is, quote, trying to create an exception in the law that doesn't exist. He said McDonald does not have the authority to create such an exception. Essenberg goes on to helpfully note, ironically, the clerk may be disenfranchising these people. (laughs) They're going to be improperly registered to vote or improperly cast an absentee ballot. And if somebody challenges the ballot down the line, they're probably going to win. Somebody. If somebody challenges the ballot, who who would that be, Mr. Essenberg? Possibly be planning to challenge those ballots. Hmm. That wouldn't be you and your group trying to suppress the vote in one of the state's most Democratic leaning counties by any chance, would it be, Mr. Essenberg? Still, Wisconsin State Journal reports because there is no evidence that voters need to provide um, to show that they are indefinitely confined. Such a challenge may be impractical. So they can challenge if they want. But, uh, you know, you don't have to give evidence. All you have to do is say, yes, I'm indefinitely confined. And I should say, under these stay at home orders, a lot of us are indefinitely confined. Uh, McDonald later clarified that voters who do not need to be indefinitely confined should not use the indefinitely confined option. Voter ID, of course, in Wisconsin has been a politically contentious issue, to say the least, since Republicans passed it in 2011 to address what Wisconsin State Journal describes as a minuscule amount of voter fraud. Democrats say it has discouraged low-income and minority voters from participating in elections, and in fact, a study has found exactly that. In in the uh, 2016 presidential election, some 200,000 voters in Wisconsin were likely dissuaded from voting due to a lack of the very specific type of ID needed to vote, or a perceived lack of the type of ID needed to vote. 200,000 voters in Wisconsin in the 2016 presidential election. 
Uh, and, uh, you know, because a lot of people, by the way, may have had the right type of ID, but did not know that because there have been so many fights, so many court battles about this. And it was t- found uh, time and time again. Wisconsin's photo ID restriction was tossed out until they could finally get to a right wing uh, federal appellate court who allowed it to stand. But there was confusion. A lot of people didn't know. Yes, they had the right type of, uh, of ID and they didn't even know it, but they you know, so they stayed home. They didn't know. Uh, but then there was tens of thousands who just did not have the idea at all. Two hundred thousand. Mind you, this in a state that Donald Trump is said to have won by twenty three thousand votes. Complaints over providing voter ID to vote absentee uh, come now as state officials are urging voters to vote by mail, if at all possible, to reduce crowding on Election Day, which could increase the risk of poll workers and voters uh, contracting the COVID-19 virus. McDonald said in in his email to uh, local clerks, people are reluctant to check the box that says they are indefinitely confined. But this is a pandemic. This feature in our law is here to help preserve everyone's right to vote. He said the voters can go by go to uh, myvote.wi.gov to request an absentee ballot where they should check the box that reads, I certify that I am indefinitely confined due to age, illness, infirmity or disability and request uh, ballots be sent for every election until I am no longer confined or fail to return a ballot. Once that box is checked, a voter can skip the step of uploading an ID in order to vote in the April 7 election. Identifying as indefinitely confined is only an option for those who are already registered to vote, by the way. Eligible voters may register to vote uh, online or by mail until March 30, but they cannot use that option. They cannot vote absentee if they are not yet registered. Uh, But uh, March 30, that's due to a recent federal court order. But registering online still requires a valid, unexpired Wisconsin driver's license or a Wisconsin state ID card. The address, name, date of birth and driver's license number used to register must match the information exactly that the Department of Motor Vehicles in Wisconsin had has on file. So please be careful when you do this. Voters can update their address with uh, DMV online if you need to change it there. Registering to vote by mail, in person, or with a special registration deputy also requires proof of residence. Yes, that's how difficult they make it in Wisconsin. So you'll need a utility bill or a, or a paycheck or, or something of that sort. And that reminds me uh, to remind you to uh, if you're well, if you're registered, if you're not registered, then please register to vote. Yeah. If you are registered, please check your registration because uh, I have a feeling a lot of states by the time, whether it's you know June second for these primaries or whether it's uh, uh, November for the general election, there is going to be a lot of vote by mail going on. And some states may be all vote by mail. And if they send you a ballot, uh, as some states are, are thinking about doing, sending uh, 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 ballots to all voters, all registered voters, um, if you have the wrong address because you moved within the county but you know didn't bother to change your address on your voter registration, you ain't going to get a ballot. And the uh, states, counties are going to be simply overwhelmed, whether it's in these primaries or even in November. 
And so you don't want to have to, if you can take any obstacles out, now's a great time to do it because you're sitting at home. You got a lot of time on your hands. Please go to your county or your state's website if you can. Check your registration. Register if you're not registered. Go ahead and register if they allow you to do so online. And otherwise, check your address to make sure you're uh you are registered in the address that you think you are uh, uh, registered in and that you will need to be if, in fact, they send out vote-by-mail uh, uh, ballots uh, this year, this November. Yeah, this is so crucial. And also remember to help your friends and your family to let them know about this as well, because this is a crucial election. And also help out you think? the students. You think? Is this crucial? <laughs> yeah. Is this crucial? Help out the college students and the young people that you know, because this is all kind of new to them. And uh, it's very, very crazy, the system that we have. And uh, we don't want to discourage them by them not understanding all the barriers that are now in front of them that they must overcome in order to get to vote. So so the old people have to help the young people understand the importance <laughs> of registering and, and setting that up and getting that right. And then the young people have to help the old people figure out how the hell to use these websites where you have to upload a photo ID or I anything else. Yes. So we're all helping each other. Now, this is the part. This is the part of the program where I uh, improbably might say something nice about the great state of Georgia. <laughs> okay. Yes, that Georgia. Uh, they are uh, planning to run their rescheduled primary coming up on May 19. And I would really love, I would really love to say something finally nice about Georgia's elections after we have spent so many months and years at this point deservedly beating the hell out of them. I would love to say something nice about Georgia's elections. And, well, they came so close. They came so <laughs> close after first rescheduling their elections, fe which feature brand new, 100% unverifiable, totally germy touchscreen voting systems. Um, that's not the good part. The better part is that they rescheduled. They were scheduled for March 24. That election would have been held this week. Now it will be held on May 19. Uh, when Oregon is also scheduled to vote, though their elections are all vote by mail already, so they're in good shape. Uh, Kentucky was also set to vote that day on May 19, the day that Georgia has moved to. But now Kentucky has moved their uh, planned primary off to June 23. So finally, though, it, it looked for a second like Georgia's horrible Republican Secretary of State, Brad Raffensperger, who has literally uh, been threatening counties with legal action if they choose to use hand-marked paper ballots at the polls instead of the new touchscreen systems, which violate user privacy, voter privacy, uh, since voters... Uh, the, since their so-called secret ballots can be seen from 30 or 40 feet across the polling place in Georgia with these new image cast uh, touchscreen systems made by Dominion. Uh, they've been trying to not, according to a lawsuit, the Secretary of State actually, th well, threatened Athens-Clark County Board of Elections, which had voted to move to hand-marked paper ballots for the primary until Raffensperger came in and threatened them with legal action. 
The reason they wanted to get rid of them was because it violates privacy. There's also a lawsuit that was filed in a separate county about these machines that Raffensperger is forcing them all to use. But finally, finally it looked like Raffensperger had decided to do the right thing and move to an all-male election, almost an all-male election. It looked like he was doing the right thing uh, about 24 hours ago until one looked closely at the fine print. As University of Florida elections expert Michael McDonald uh, pointed out when when drawing my attention to this, uh, he said, I guess this was just a matter of time as we move toward mail ballot elections. Republican states will figure out ways to make it easier for some eligible voters compared to others to get a mail ballot. So what happened here, according to Georgia Public Broadcasting, Brad Raffensperger said his office will mail in absentee ballot request applications to 6.9 million active registered voters in Georgia for the May 19 primary election, making it easier for people to vote from home as coronavirus spreads. In a statement, Raffensperger said the move is an extraordinary effort to ensure all Georgians can vote, quote, without fear for their health. He said times of turbulence and upheaval like the one we Georgians face require decisive action if the liberties we hold so dear are to be preserved. I'm acting today because the people of Georgia, from the earliest settlers to heroes like Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. and Congressman John Lewis, have fought too long and too hard for their right to vote to have it curtailed. Georgia has faced challenges before and overcome them, and we can do so again through the grit and ingenuity that has made America a shining example for democracies around the world. Well, that sounds fantastic, doesn't it? It does. But did you note who will receive those absentee ballot request applications? 6.9 million active registered voters in Georgia. McDonald noted, hey... What about the inactive voters? They haven't had their registrations canceled yet and are thus eligible to vote, too. Yes, uh, the way that it works and the way uh, Georgia does it is if if you don't vote in two federal elections, I believe, in a row, you are marked as inactive. That doesn't mean you can't vote. That just means if you don't show up one more time, then you can't vote. So if you're planning to show up and vote at uh, this year's presidential election, as I suspect a lot of quote unquote inactive voters are planning on doing, um, then you would be able to vote. However, if everyone is being sent uh, absentee ballot request applications except those inactive voters, well, you see what's going on here. Even in a pandemic, Republican Secretary of State of Georgia Brad Raffensperger pretending to do the right thing still manages to do the wrong thing. Stephen Fowler of uh, Georgia Public Broadcasting responded to Mike McDonald and said inactive voters can still request an absentee ballot application from their county election officials. McDonald says, of course they can. I'm pointing out that Georgia is selectively making voting easier for some of their registrants. But of course they are. Why do the right thing and mail it uh, an absentee uh, request form to every registered voter? Why should they do that? Why would Georgia start doing the right thing by voters now? Uh, Raffensperger also said that there will be extra precautions for in-person voting, both on Election Day and during the three-week early voting period. What those are, I do not know. But yeah, bring lots of hand sanitizer if you must vote on Raffensperger's diseased touchscreens at this uh, at, the, at the polls this year. 
uh, please, if you are in Georgia, get yourself a vote-by-mail ballot at any cost. Uh, And that is true for all 50 states at this point. Raffensperger office is uh, reportedly working with counties to recruit additional poll workers who are younger as well as providing extra resources to sanitize elections equipment. Good luck, Georgia. And your chief election official was so close to doing something, anything right for a change. I will never misunderestimate Brad Raffensperger's penchant for failure again. Quick break, and we're back with Desi Doyen and the Green News Report right after this. I'm Brad Friedman. Don't touch that dial. Hey, this is Brad. The Bradcast survives thanks to you and your support. Please stop by bradblog.com slash donate today to help us continue to do over your public airwaves what we try to do five days a week. That's bradblog.com slash donate, and thank you. You know, I should have said before the break, I hope people stuck with us because uh, we've got some genuinely, genuinely good news. Yeah. In today's Green News Report. Appreciate it for what it does. Don't judge it for what it doesn't because uh, we have more bills to come. Good news and bad for the energy sector in Senate's coronavirus relief bill. Even COVID-19 can't stop the Trump administration's environmental rollbacks. Plus... This is a huge victory for the Standing Rock Sioux Tribe. Some much-needed good news amid so much bad on the Dakota Access Pipeline. I'll take it. All of those stories and more straight ahead. From Bradblog.com, I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyen. Stand by for six minutes of independent green news, politics, analysis, and snarky comment. Democrats won't let us fund hospitals or save small businesses. Unless they get to dust off the Green New Deal. Are you sure about that, Senator McConnell? Or are you making stuff up again? I know what I'm betting on. This is your Green News Report. Okay, Desi Doyen, the Senate bill has now passed, but Mitch McConnell there was arguing that Democrats wouldn't let them do it unless they dashed it off the Green New Deal. Is there any truth to that whatsoever? Of course there isn't. McConnell is lying. This has nothing to do with the Green New Deal. There was a fight in the Senate over renewable energy and Democrats thinking that, hey, let's require the airline industry to reduce their emissions in exchange for receiving a bailout. You mean we're going to give them free money and ask them to do something in return? Yeah. Crazy? That was all stripped. However, that $2 trillion coronavirus emergency relief bill does not include funding that was requested by the Trump administration to fill the Strategic Petroleum Reserve that was intended to boost oil industry profits. Mm. But unfortunately, it also does not extend federal renewable energy tax credits or direct pay provisions that were sought by the wind and solar industries to help them withstand major supply chain disruptions and work stoppages that have been caused by the global pandemic. Indeed, the solar stocks have crashed over the past couple of weeks. So 
why not help them out as well? Well, Bloomberg News reports that while some in the industry hope that there could be help for them in future rounds of stimulus, the wind and solar industries may have already suffered irreparable damage Mm. in multiple canceled projects. Meanwhile, even the coronavirus can't stop the Trump administration's environmental rollbacks. Grist.org reports that the administration continues to sell new oil leases on public lands across four western states at fire sale prices, despite the fact that waiting for higher crude oil prices could generate more revenue for taxpayers. The administration is still moving ahead on implementing major environmental policy changes and repealing major public health rules despite the the pandemic. The Trump EPA recently expanded proposed restrictions on the types of scientific research that the EPA is allowed to use, and that includes most research on the harmful effects of water and air pollution. They sure have been quick when it comes to gutting regulations, when it comes to getting, you know, masks and ventilators to hospitals. No rush there. Funny that. The oil and gas industry is also petitioning the Trump Interior Department to open up public lands in Utah for drilling operations that would be as close as a half mile to some of the nation's most famous protected sites, including Delicate Arches National Park and Canyonlands National Park. And the Trump Environmental Protection Agency is reviewing a request from the oil and gas industry to weaken enforcement provisions for hazardous air and water pollution regulations during the pandemic to the horror of public health experts. Really? But there is some good news. Federal courts have been stepping in, ordering the government to suspend or void hundreds of leases, ruling that the Interior Department is making procedural mistakes and violating environmental laws in its haste to expand domestic oil and gas production. Recently, a federal judge canceled more than $125 million in lease sales in Wyoming, Nevada, and Utah. Good. And finally, an important victory for the Standing Rock Sioux Tribe in their ongoing years-long effort to stop the controversial Dakota Access Pipeline from crossing near their land. A federal judge on Wednesday found the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers violated the National Environmental Policy Act when it issued permits allowing construction of the pipeline. Citing the parent company's abysmal safety record, the judge ordered the Corps to start over and conduct a full environmental assessment of the likelihood and potential impacts of oil spills on the tribe's water supply. The tribe's lawyer, Earth Justice Attorney Jan Hasselman, told the Green News Report, This is a huge victory for the Standing Rock Sioux Tribe and all the people who have supported them over the years. Essentially, a federal court has validated the concerns that we've been expressing since the beginning, that the risks of an oil spill are too great, that the consequences on the Standing Rock are too significant, and this needs to be studied really carefully and in a transparent way. So will this hold up the Dakota Access Pipeline? Will it stop it? It won't stop it. It's already operational. But they're asking the court to close it down while the assessment is underway. Shut her down. For much more on that story and all of the others that we couldn't get to today, please check out our website at greennews.bradblog.com. Find, follow, and share us planet-wide on the Facebooks and the Twitters at Green News Report. I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyne. And this has been your Green News Report. Now, throttle back, drop the plow, shut it down. Shut it down. Shut her down. (laughs) 
Thank you very much to our producer, Desi Doy, and to all of you for spending a portion of your day or night with us. If you missed any portion of today's show, download it anytime for free at bradblog.com. Share it with your friends and family. Our thanks to those of you who also dropped by bradblog.com slash donate to help us stay on your public airwaves. Drop me email if you like as well. I am bradcast at bradblog.com, and I am on the Facebooks and the Twitters at the Brad Blog. We'll see you there. Until we see you here next time, I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world. Shut it down. Shut it down.